lovely to see you and uh, good to have uh, visitors as well with us really really warm welcome to you if you did remember to pray for the uh, if you remember in the bulletin last week we asked for prayer for the uh, a couple of, of our guys who are seeking asylum and uh, one actually was delayed or deferred because of the problems at the uh, uh, the place where um, the asylums are heard so that's not um, that's that is now not going to be until May, but one of the um, asylum seekers, Mochjeva, um, um, thank you for praying. It was as good as can be expected. It's not always easy when you're being interrogated by the Home Office uh, barristers, but uh, it, he did really well, and uh, those who gave, gave testimony as well, or bore witness, uh, was really good. So thank you. If you remember to pray for that. Um, re-emphasize as well what Simon was saying about the leadership training if you if you are going to come to those please put your name down on the sheet we need to know how many are coming so there's a sheet in the lounge do put your name down for that afterwards please it's been a, a, a sad week um, well, it's been a sad more than a few weeks is actually when you think about it isn't it with uh, that service on Friday with uh, Frank's funeral, and it was a, a wonderful service, and uh, much to praise God for, and uh, it was a marvellous, can I say, it's a really wonderful team we have here who put in so much effort into these, especially funeral services, um, whether it's the sound, the laptop, whether it's catering, um, stewarding, security, clearing away, putting, setting up. It really is magnificent. I want to say a really huge thank you to all who do that. It's, it is great, and it's a real testimony to the church, I think, and to families uh, who come. And uh, this last few weeks, I've had the. It is a privilege to sit by the bedside of those in our fellowship who know the Lord, and with the families around those who are dying. You know knowing that they're going to be with the Lord, but sharing in that grief with the family. And so I've been sat with um, Joy and um, Bill, of course, and around Shirley's bedside. And, and, uh, and then with, uh, I went to see Sadiq yesterday and their four daughters and uh, around Pamela's bedside. And, and, and now, of course, Pamela and uh, um, Shirley have going to be with the Lord. And, uh, but what a difference it makes. When you know the Lord, friends, make sure you know the Lord. Make sure that you, you're right with God because no, there's no fear when you face death. There's, it's a home call. I know there's sadness and there's, oh, there, there, is, there is deep sadness and grief among those who love those who go. But uh, oh, what a difference it makes. So uh, do pray on for the families. Do pray as well for the practical arrangements because you know, uh, we're away on holiday for a week coming up and so it's, it's going to be quite difficult to fit everything in but uh, do, do continue to pray for the families. Let's turn to God's word and we're going to read Ephesians chapter 6. We're continuing this series. In fact, this is the last look at Ephesians that we've been going through this wonderful, rich letter of uh, Paul's to the Ephesian church, Ephesians 6. I'm reading it in the New King James Version. I'm going to read from verse 10, cover the passage that Simon covered last week and then carry on to the end. So Ephesians 6, verse 10. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth up boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and a faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs, that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, in uh, one of those songs we sang, we were talking, we were singing about how you are transforming us, you're changing us. How great you are that you change us within from one degree of glory to another. Lord, you use your word to do that. Your Holy Spirit takes that word and applies it to our hearts. And so, Lord, would you do that this morning? Would you help us? Help me as I preach and speak and unfold what you've shared on my heart. Would you help each one of us as we listen? And help us, Lord, we pray, to hear what you have to say, to be edified, challenged, encouraged, exhorted. May your Holy Spirit speak into every heart, I pray. So bless us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just one other thought as well. I was going to uh, repeat about like that the um, that celebration evening a week on two, a week on Tuesday. It isn't just for the growth groups. It's it's for everybody. It's a whole church celebration. Um, it's just that the growth groups uh, decided. Well, let's do this together. So do come. It's, it's it is for everybody. So we come to the the last part of this uh, letter to the Ephesians which we've been looking at on Sunday mornings. Last Sunday, Simon took us through from verses 10 to 17. And 
he particularly focused on the reality of the spiritual battle. This is a battle that all believers are in. All believers in Christ are in this battle. It's a battle actually that's going on all around us. All the time. It's a spiritual battle in the heavenlies but it's, it's played out in the earthlies. And Simon reminded us of that in terms of it's there, it's, it's going on and it affects us in our lives, our personal lives, our marriages, our families, our church life, our workplace, everywhere we can't escape it. And yet, it's a spiritual battle that many Christians are actually unaware of and sometimes ignorant of, and just forget even. But Paul strongly reminds us of that. Verse 12, let's just go back and remind ourselves where he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So whether you like it or not, you are in the battle. There's this battle raging around, and there are unseen forces. And it's a battle that's orchestrated by Satan himself, if you like. He's the, he's the commander-in-chief of, of, his, of the evil forces, the spiritual forces. that are opposed to God, they're opposed to God himself, but they're opposed to God's work. And they're opposed to God's people. And I, one thing we all need to know, have this fixed in our minds... That Satan is stronger than us. Don't, don't be under any illusions about the power of Satan. He has supernatural power. We have normal human strength. And you know, th there's no doubt that were it not for God's restraint, Satan would tear this world to shreds. He, he, he would cause complete mayhem. Were it not for the fact that God puts restraints on Satan, thankfully, Satan is restrained. And, and God restricts him. God puts absolute limits on what Satan can do. Paul said, didn't he, there's no temptation, no trial taken you, such as come to man, but God will make a way of escape. So if that's a personal attack, there is a way of escape because of God's limits. Satan had to ask God for permission to assault Job. Simon mentioned Job. Because Satan's authority, if you like, is restricted and restrained. This is what John Piper said about that restraining of God. He said, this reality, that, that the reality of God's restraint of Satan, this reality should make us tremble and marvel at the magnitude of God's power and grace. To keep the world from being 10,000 times more violent and miserable than it is. So without God's restraining hand on Satan, this world would be 10,000 times worse than it is. This would be hell on earth. But praise God, God's far greater. And he, God protects this fallen world from Satan doing his maximum worst. And that's why this world doesn't, it's bad enough, isn't it? But praise God, that's why it doesn't sink 
into the worst it could be and the most miserable it could be. But the Christian has more than God's general protection from Satan. God has provided us with a spiritual armour. And it's an armour that's effective against Satan and against all the powers of his evil schemes. And that, that armour that uh, Simon was talking about, it, it's effective because of Christ's decisive victory on the cross at Calvary when he died. <coughs> Through that, God didn't remove Satan, but he disarmed him, the Bible says. He, he, he curtailed his authority and his power. He robbed him of his power. And so Paul can say to you and me, verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then he goes on to describe six pieces of armour, all of which are designed by God to protect us in the spiritual battle that we're in, but also to go on the offensive against us, the kingdom of darkness. And then, having mentioned the various pieces of armour, Paul comes to the prayer, verse 18. I'll, I'll read it later because I'm going to concentrate on that. That Verse 18. I, th I thought it was right, as I, as I studied this passage, to finish with prayer at the end of this great letter to the Ephesians. There's, there's some wonderful prayers in, the, in, the, in this letter that we've looked at. So I'm going to concentrate on that verse. But then after that verse, Paul goes on. He goes on for a few more verses. First of all, he requests prayer for himself, verse 19 and 20. And then he mentions this man called Tychicus, verses 21 to 22 who he describes as a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. And it was Tychicus who took news of Paul's situation there in prison to the people of Ephesus, Ephesus so they could pray for him. You know, whenever Tychicus is mentioned, by the way, I think that's one of the names in the Bible that will not catch on. Tychicus. I was thinking Tychicus Dyson. It just doesn't ring true. It's like an 18th century accountant or something, but it's not going to catch on anyway. So wherever Tychicus is mentioned in Paul's letter, he mentions it four times, and always he's being sent. He's always on the go. It's not that he didn't like him. It was just that he was a faithful, reliable, committed man. And that, that's a great quality. Those are great qualities. If you're faithful and reliable and committed, that's gold. That's precious gold. And God's blessed you with that. And then finally, Paul blesses them with a benediction. And if I remember, I'll, use that. I'll pray that benediction at the end and use it to finish the service with. But back to verse 18. Let me read it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints so having mentioned the six pieces of armour Paul speaks about prayer now 
the question, at least the question in my mind that I, I was, when I came to this was, is prayer part of the armour? Is it, is it the seventh piece of the armour? We know that prayer is certainly a weapon. It's a spiritual weapon, isn't it? Powerful weapon. And I'm sure that was in Paul's mind, or part of Paul's mind, when he, he talked about in 2 Corinthians 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm, I'm sure that's partly there, thinking of prayer. But when Paul goes through the spiritual armour, he carefully takes the natural armour of a fighting soldier and he specifically parallels a piece of that with the spiritual armour, a part of the spiritual armour. So the belt of the soldier's armour is compared to the belt of truth. The, 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 the soldier's breastplate, the armour there is compared to the righteousness that we have in Christ, and so on. So each time he compares one with the normal soldier's army, armour with the spiritual armour. But when he gets to verse 18, there isn't a comparison, is there? We just have the exhortation to pray. So there's no part of the normal soldier's armour mentioned. I'm sure if Paul had meant prayer to be a seventh piece of the armour, that with his amazing imagination and with the help of the Spirit, he could have thought of something else to compare it to, like the spear of the soldier or the, or the arrows or something that, were, that, were, that the archers would fire, or something like that, but he doesn't. So it's unlikely that Paul regarded prayer as the seventh piece of the armour. And the reason for that is, I would say, Paul wants to emphasise the fact that prayer is absolutely essential for putting on the whole armour. Prayer is the bedrock for the whole armour to be worn, to be put on, and to be used for God. It, it doesn't seem to me that Paul sort of, after the sixth piece of armour, he has an afterthought, and says, oh, and by the way, don't forget prayer. You know, I think that's pretty important, that's another part of the armour. No, the prayer actually is the most important part. Without prayer, the whole armour is useless. Without faith, it doesn't matter how much armour there is, we put it on by prayer. Do you, do you know the old hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus? You soldiers of the cross, because some of you remember it, so it goes like this, stand up, one of the verses, stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you, you dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armour, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger be never wanting. There, the, the hymn writer got it right. You know, it's, it's through prayer that we put on the armour. We put it to its use. So I, I was thinking, well, what does that mean in practice? How, how do you put on the armour? What does it mean to put on the armour? I mean, in a sense, when you, the shield of faith, that's, you can see where that is faith, that is prayer, and, and you can see that. And, and then the sword of the Spirit, well, that's, you can see how you can use the Word of God with prayer, and, or, and, and, and you use that, you, you, you use that for God, and, and, and uh, the Word of God is there and powerful. But how do you actually put on 
the breastplate of righteousness. How do you put on the helmet of salvation? This girdle of truth. The shoes of the gospel. Well, take the, uh, take the belt of truth. That's verse uh, 14. The belt of truth includes both the word of truth and living truthfully. I, I think both concepts are there. So it's the word of truth, the word of our faith, and living with integrity, living truthfully. So each time we come to the Bible this, this morning, we pray, didn't we? Lord, would you help us to understand the word of God? Would you help us to, to apply this to ourselves? When you come in your, in your quiet times, you, you're praying, Lord, please, please teach us. Help me to understand by your spirit. So you're putting on, to get that to me, that's putting on the belt of truth. And then you go through the day, you're walking and you're living and, you're, and, and you are, you can talk to God. At any, that's what prayer is, isn't it? It's conversation with God. Wonderful privilege just to talk with God. And as you talk with God and, and the, the wonderful truths that you've heard and taught, and you might not even think about them, but they're there, they're deep, deep in your soul and that you've heard and you've read about, those truths become the, the, the light, the lamp unto your feet and the light to your path. They help you, they guide you. God's principles. And as you're talking with God and as you're praying, those become real in your life. So it's through prayer that you put on that girdle of truth, that belt of truth. And I'm sure in situations that you may face this and you're tempted to do things and especially sort of to bend the rules a bit or exaggerate something or maybe even to lie and, and, and so you say, no Lord, help me not to be, help me to be a man of in, or a woman of integrity. Help me to be truthful in this. And you're putting on that belt of truth. Just different ways by which we put on by prayer the belt of truth. What about the gospel shoes? I think it's John Stott calls them the boot, the gospel boots. That's right, the gospel boots. Those, the readiness for the gospel. Well, it's, it's just, it's the same, isn't it? You, you, you say, Lord, I, I want to be available today. Help me to be available, to, just a witness. Would you give me an opportunity today to talk to, you, to talk to somebody about Jesus? So by prayer... You're putting on the gospel, the, the gospel shoes. And then through the day, you're just saying, Lord, would you give me wisdom? You help me to know how to turn that, maybe conversation, or just how to show the love of Jesus in a practical way. And you're putting on, by prayer, the gospel shoes. Paul, didn't he, verse 19, he asked for prayer to be able to witness. He says, um, and for me, would you pray for me? That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. That in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And there's Paul. He's in prison. He's chained to soldiers. He can't move and he's asking for gospel shoes to be put on. And and those soldiers are changed every day. Was it four every day? So he's, he, and, and you know, you pity those gospel soldiers, those soldiers don't you? He is, it's a captive audience. And Paul wants to make the most of it. And he's saying, Lord, I just open my mouth. I want to 
please, I just want to talk to them about the gospel. It's by prayer we put on the breastplate of righteousness. You're wearing that? If you put it on, I don't know whether, some people put on the, the armour each day, each morning. Um, I, I, I'm not sure whether, I, I don't particularly do that, but uh, it's, it's good perhaps to go through the, the, the armour that God's given us. Someone might think, well, wait a minute. Don't we already have the breastplate of righteousness on? How can you put on the breastplate of righteousness that's already on you? You know, when you became a Christian, when you put your trust in Christ, that was the moment God counted to you Christ's righteousness. Isn't that amazing, isn't it? That moment you became holy in God's eyes. Beautiful righteousness of Jesus. Imputed, the Bible says, counted to you. So how do you put that on? Isn't it already on? Well, this is the, the, the beauty of the Bible, isn't it? And the truths of God's word. There's so often, it te- t- talks about what we are in Christ, and then how we're to live it out. Right? So, you are in Christ if you're a believer. You've been, put, you've been united in, with Jesus. You're one with him in his death and resurrection. But, we're to abide in Christ. Right? So that's, the, that's my part. God's put me into Christ, now I need to abide in Christ. I've, I've, I've actually died. I've, I've died with Christ. The Bible says you are dead. You died. So you're dead in Christ, your old life has gone, and yet we're called to put to death the flesh. We, we're called to die to self. So that's what God has done, we died, and yet then we've got to live it out. There's this lovely combination, if you like, and tension of what we are in Christ and then how we're to live it out and work it out. We're to appropriate what God has done by faith in our lives. And so it is with the breastplate of righteousness. It's yours. It's already yours if you're in Jesus. God's given you that. He's counted it to you. It's a beautiful gift of the righteousness of Christ. But by faith, we're to appropriate it and to live it out by prayer. So in the morning, you can wake up and say, Lord, thank you. I'm a child of God. I'm I'm right before you. My sins have been forgiven. I'm, I'm hiding in the righteousness of Christ. I'm no longer under condemnation. I can stand complete in Christ because of that breastplate of righteousness. And by faith, you're living it out, as it were. You're putting it into practice. And then through the day, maybe doubts come and and, and maybe fears come. And maybe things come in like, you know, how the devil comes and accuses you and condemns you you and, and, and those sort of things. And what do you do? Well, you take your stand by By faith. You know, it's not, no, I'm a child of God. I'm under no condemnation. I have that robe of righteousness on. I'm secure in him. All those doubts are out there now because you've got that breastplate of righteousness on. And the same could be said of the helmet of salvation as well and the other aspects of the, the, um, the armour. And then as you go through the, through the day, you, you say, you, you can pray, Lord, 
help me to be right today. Help me to live righteously. Please help me. Would you show me how to be righteous? How to live right in this situation? How to be the person you want me to be? You know, in my, in my workplace, among students, in, in, in my home, how, how can I be the right person? How can I live righteously and, and in a way that pleases you? So it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, what we're doing, or that armour is there for all time. It's, it's an ongoing thing and we can wear it and put it on and live it out. So do you see how prayer is important? Prayer is, prayer is essential for the whole of the armour. It, prayer is the key to the energy, if you like, of God coming into your life. It's the, it's the key to the power of God in your life. You can't fight this battle on your own. You know, I don't care how talented you are, how strong you are, what great abilities you have, you cannot fight this battle alone. You need to be plugged into the power, don't you know? A plug is useless if it's not in the, po- in the, in the socket. It's got to be plugged in. And it's no good, you know, you can have all the knowledge. I don't know how much you know about prayer. I bet you know loads about prayer. But you've been taught and heard so much about prayer. But you know, it's no good putting a plug into a textbook about light. It's no good putting a a plug into a, a nice glossy leaflet from EDF or E.ON about electricity. it's got to be plugged into the plug socket. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. Prayer's got to be part of my life. And not just in in church, as you know. It's it's every day, every part, everywhere we go. We need to put on the whole armour of God. Without the prayer, the the armour is just armour. I don't know if you've ever been to a museum and uh, in the museum you see a beautiful gleaming coat of armour. That armour was no good unless there was somebody living in it, obviously. It had to have a living, a life energy in it. And that's the part that prayer plays. But it's not just any sort of prayer. Paul tells us how we are to pray if we did to defeat Satan. Okay, so verse 18. If we're to stand in the victory, how can we pray? I'm going to read it in the ESV, the English Standard Version, this verse. It just brings it out. I want you to count how many alls there are. How many all? A-double-L. I'll emphasize just in case you're asleep, so you, you, just to help you. Okay. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints how many four good four four alls first all all occasions we're to pray all on all occasions at all times in the spirit. Praying in the spirit means praying by being led by the spirit, prompted by the spirit. We're to pray at all times. Now, that, I don't think that means you're having a constant dialogue, talking as it were, to God in that sense. Because so, we've got stuff, 
fills our mind, haven't we? We've got things to do, got children to look after, you've got your studies, you're concentrated on your work, your, whatever it is, you've got lots of things. We've all got lots of things to do. It would be impossible to have that constant talking, if you like. You'd need to be in a monastery to do that, probably. But what I think what it's saying is prayer needs to be our default setting. You know the default setting, the, the, nat- the thing that you naturally default to as part of your life, part of my life. It's to- I think it's talking about the habit of conversing with God, talking with God as a father, as a child to a father. Paul's encouraging us to have that sort of, I suppose it's unstrained fellowship with God. Do you enjoy that? What a privilege it is as a child of God you have to talk to your heavenly father like that. It's a default setting. Paul said to the Philippian church in Philippians 4, you don't need to turn to it, it's so familiar, you'll know it. Philippians 4 verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Right? In everything. And, and to the Thessalonians he said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. I'm, I'm sure that that is something that we can all learn. I, I need to learn how to do that more, how to cultivate that. That wonderful praying on and praying and thanking God in all circumstances. Rejoice always, you know, be thankful. I was reading about the Scottish minister, Dr. Alexander White. He was once mugged on the streets of Chester. And he later wrote down good reasons for thanking God for what he'd been through. He said, let me be thankful, one, because I have never been robbed before. Two, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Three, because although they took all I had, it wasn't much in the first place. And four, because it was I who was robbed and not I who was the robber. That's really good, isn't it? Having a gratitude attitude, you know, finding things to thank God for. And we're to pray on all occasions with all prayer. That's the second all. I think that speaks to the variety of prayer. Uh, Sadly, for some, some of us, prayer is just, perhaps just asking for things, always asking for things. Or just turning to God when we're in trouble. You know that sort of thing? Even Christians can be like that. But, but that's like, a, that's like a, a married couple. Just before they go to sleep, they say goodnight to each other. And that's all they say. Or... Maybe when they get into trouble, they just sort of say, what can we do about this and talk about that? But they never, ever really have a real relationship. Paul says, look, if you're going to stand firm and be strong against Satan, you're to pray all kinds of prayer. What does that mean? Well, we know there's different types of prayer, aren't there? There's praise, adoration, thanksgiving. Confession, petition, supplication. Petition is where you're, you're asking for yourself. Supplication, you're, you're asking for others. You're, there's different types of prayer. 
But then there's prayer when you're alone. And then there's prayer when you're together. There's spoken prayers and there's silent prayers. There's formal prayers, which are good. Actually, I've got a real great, a great book, a formal prayer. Well, let's say formal prayers. They're written prayers. And I've often turned to them over the years and been a real blessing. So there's formal prayers and there's spontaneous praying. There's reasoned out type of praying and there's unreasoned out type of praying. So that's fine, that's, re- that's relevant, isn't it? Sometimes prayer might just be a word. It might be an arrow prayer you send up to God. It might be a deep groan within. You've experienced that, just, you just can't even put to words what you're thinking and you're feeling and you don't even know how to pray but you just groan to God. In Isaiah, there's a prayer, isn't there? Oh, that you would rend the heavens, come down. And I think this is talking about that, oh, deep within, the groaning of the spirit that moves you. There's the triumph, there's a, there's a prayer of triumph, you know, when it's right to declare the triumph of God. And, that, and there's a prayer of faith, when you know that God is going to answer prayer, God gives you that gift of faith. There are all types of prayers all different sorts of prayer. It's rich. And Paul's saying, look, use all types of prayer. Don't just, don't just be narrow. The important thing is to pray. And then we're to pray with all perseverance. That's the third all. Verse 18. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Don't grow weary in prayer. Keep Praying. Prayer, answers to prayer don't always come easily. Actually, when you be, I've mentioned this before. When you first become a Christian, I think God is so gracious, so often prayers are quickly answered. But then as you get older in your Lord, and long, you know, you, then actually prayers don't always get answered as quickly. And I think that's part of the maturing process, isn't it? As, as our growth, our, spirit, our, our faith is stretched and God teaches us through prayer and through waiting sometimes. I've mentioned this book before on prayer which gave five ways that God answers prayer. The five answers to prayer, this writer said, are yes, no, wait, do it yourself and mind your own business. That's really good. We, We need to keep praying until God answers. Keep answers. Keep praying. You've heard the, um, probably saying that it, I think it was William Cowper who said, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Okay? If that is true, if Satan does tremble when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees, then we shouldn't be surprised if Satan will do all he can to stop us praying. <coughs> Satan will do all he can to stop us praying. He'll use all sorts of things. To stop us praying regularly. And if he succeeded in that in your life, friend, and if he succeeded that in my life, then we need to quickly, and you need to quickly, renew yourself to prayer. You need to dedicate yourself to prayer. Confess your prayerlessness. Confess my prayerlessness. That's often the case. I I need to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please help me. I renew myself to prayer. Fight for your prayer life. 
It's so important. And then lastly and fourthly, in, in this, uh, it says, the fourth all, we're to pray for all the saints. All the saints. It's not just about yourself, but pray for others. Pray for others. Paul said, I need prayer. Will you pray for me? If Paul needed prayer, you do. And others need your prayers and my prayers. So that's, I'm going to finish there. I'd like us just to take time to think about that and pray about that. I want us to be quiet. Just let these things settle in our minds. I'll just take a few minutes to reflect on those aspects of prayer and on whether we're wearing and are taking the armour. Is there any area of your life where you've left off the armour of God? Where you've neglected to put on that armour by prayer? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the gospel shoes, the sword of the spirit. Do you need to put those arm, that armour on? Do you need to renew yourself in any of those areas? Just take time just to think about that. Let the Holy Spirit just stir our minds and thoughts and help us because the armour of God is so vital but we need to put them on. We need to put it on. And what about those four areas of prayer? Do you need to be strengthened in one of those areas in your prayer life? Do you need to work on one of these? Praying on all occasions, at all times. Does that need reinforcing in your life? That lovely ongoing communion and fellowship with God through the day, each day? Is that a part of your life? What about praying with all prayer? More than just asking sort of prayers. Would you like to grow in that area of praying? The richness of prayer, worship and praise, and intercession, confession, formal or informal, spontaneous, private, public prayers, prayers of victory. We can all grow in those areas. Just ask the Lord to help you and make it real. Help you to be a man or woman of prayer. What about praying with all perseverance? Are you keeping on praying? Have you given up some area? Is it a priority? Or has, has it sort of been neglected a bit? Let it slip. Let's ask for God's strength and real commitment to keep praying for those we're praying for, those who haven't yet come to Christ, those who haven't yet, we haven't seen a change in their circumstances or a change in a situation. Let's uh, renew ourselves by God's strength to keep praying. And then praying for all saints, just as Jesus prays for you now and prays for others, he wants us to join with him.
interceding for others. Let's just pray about our own prayer life, our intercessions, our supplications. So Lord, would you help us, we pray. How we thank you for that armour that you've given us. Lord, what a wonderful privilege it is to be clothed with a spiritual armour that stops Satan, that not only hinders the work of Satan in our lives, but also gives us the victory or gives us the instruments to work out and to, and to really take the battle to him, as it were. Lord, help us, we pray. Help us each day to put on the gospel armour, to put on the spiritual armour. Lord, to make the most of all that you have provided. This is all part of your grace and it comes and flows from the cross. Lord, we don't want to miss out on anything. And Lord, I pray that we would all grow in our praying, our prayer life, so that, Lord, we are effective, that we do see answers to prayer because we keep praying in faith and Lord we see wonderful answers to your glory so Lord help us in these things we pray Amen going to sing what a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer and uh, say afterwards as well I'm going to after the we've said the uh, closing prayer for some of our prayer team would come to the front and if you'd like if you've come and you'd like someone to pray with you or to pray for anything that would help please come please come don't 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 wait or don't go out of here without that help come to the front there'll be people here who will be just delight to pray for you so let's stand, shall we, and let's sing this. I will find a solace there. And so, peace to you, brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love.